Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Every single week we talk about our ongoing thesis, and that is every business needs to be digital first, and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. Now, what exactly does that mean? There is an incredible thing that's happening. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Uh, If you've been listening to this podcast since we started in 2017, we are grateful um, to have you along. We just started as Behind the Smoke podcast, and now we've evolved into digital hospitality. And digital hospitality, it's the study. You know, we are always learning. So if you're part of this podcast, you know, every week I talk about the thing that my grandfather taught me, which is stay curious, get involved and ask for help. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're curious, you want to be better, you want to improve. Um, you need to get involved. You need to do the things that the guests that we bring on, they have so much knowledge. That's why we bring them on. It is our job to find the biggest, the best and the brightest doing playing the game within the game. So we talk about smartphone storytelling, branding, digital marketing, social media marketing, restaurant business, hospitality business, self-improvement, and the intersection of all of these things. So today we have a very special guest. Um, Today's guest actually reached out to me after I presented at a restaurantowner.com. So uh, Jim Lobb has been on this show. He's the founder of restaurantowner.com. Back in 2008, when I first opened up Cali Barbecue, I was searching the internet as somebody that was young, 26 years old, inexperienced, didn't know what I was doing, didn't know how to run a business, didn't know how to do food costing, didn't know how to do menu engineering, didn't know how to do pretty much anything. I mean, we the fact that we opened a business is rather remarkable, but nonetheless, I was searching for resources and I found restaurantowner.com and I subscribed as a member. I'm still a member. I contribute every month now with Barry Schuster. They produce a restaurant startup and growth magazine. So anybody listening to this podcast, I highly recommend going to that resource because it's a curation of independent restaurant stories. So these are all stories of people that are successful in their markets, in their villages, doing things that are different and unique, but the themes throughout, whether it's a weekly financial statement, which, you know, I don't know how many articles I had to read about a weekly financial statement before I finally signed on to restaurant uh, accounting services, which is our software service that we use out of Colorado. But I heard it so many times over and over that independent operators, they have weekly financials. So they have a weekly food cost, a weekly prime cost. So I finally implemented it into our system, but we've had Jim Lobb on the podcast. He did a phenomenal job and he's asked me to come on and present to independents about ghost kitchens, about our friendly ghost kitchens, um, also about Cali barbecue, our Cali barbecue media story. And I've been able to meet some incredible independent restaurant owners. And today's guest is, uh, is one of those operators who not only listened to the presentation, so stay curious, but number two is he got involved. So he actually did the thing that my grandfather taught me, which was the second step. So it, we all know we've all been in class. We've all had professors. We've all had coaches. They give you a great speech and gets everybody fired up. But who are the people that actually go up and talk to the coach after? Who are the ones that go and talk to the professor? Who are the ones that ask the questions? Those are always the ones that tend to be the best students. They tend to get the most out of the class. So one of the things that today's guest did is he came into my inbox. He literally slid into my DMs on Facebook and said, hey, I heard your uh, presentation on Restaurant Owner. My name is Drew Glick. I own a single unit uh, restaurant in San Antonio, high volume single unit restaurant uh, called Max and Louis Diner. Um, Here's our YouTube uh, clip of all the content that we produce. I appreciate what you did. And we started a conversation. I literally went from there to sending him a Calendly link so that we could get on a Zoom call together. And the more that I talked to him, the more I realized that a rising tide lifts all ships. So it's not about me being the expert. There's so many people in our ecosystem that listen to this podcast that I learn from you. When I meet with you, the listener, the people that are listening to this podcast, and I have conversations with you, I'm learning. So I'm grateful for this opportunity to bring Drew on. He's got a wealth of knowledge. And uh, Drew, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks very much, Sean. It's uh, really a pleasure to, an honor to be uh, invited on. It's pretty cool. Well, Just a quick, a quick shout out for um, restaurant owner. I uh, decided to go back into the food service business about 10 years ago, and I was just surfing online trying to figure out how to do anything in the business. And uh, the first thing I did was uh, plop down my uh, 10 or 12 or whatever it was a month and uh, joined restaurantowner.com and um, 
never look back. I think every every doc I use in the uh, in the restaurant uh, probably started out as a restaurantowner.com download. So yeah. um, thanks to the guys over at restaurantowner.com. It's been a big, big help in my business. Absolutely. Joe Erickson, Jim Lobb, Barry Schuster. I, I mean, anybody, if you own an independent restaurant or here in the catering business, if you're in the food business, I highly recommend going to their website and checking out the free content they have. And hopefully that compels you to pay for the content because uh, their hook point to me was a good restaurant tour is always learning. And that, that had me, it's, you know, the Jerry Maguire line, you had me at hello. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we always need to keep learning, which is why we do this podcast, which is why we bring people on. But Drew, I'd love for you to uh, give us your your two minute two minute drill give us uh, an idea of who you are and, and what you do for our listeners so they can uh, can learn your story well i'll uh, see see if i can so um this one this is max so for those of you on uh, listening on audio, we, we highly suggest you subscribe on YouTube. So Cali Barbecue Media on YouTube so that you can get the full uh, digital hospitality experience. But if you're just listening, he's he has a Zoom background with uh, the, the Max and Louis logo, which he asked me if, if if it was an OK background. And I said, we believe ABB, which is always be branding. So, yes, please. Absolutely. Go ahead. So, so Max, if you for audio or video, Max was my great uncle. Louis was my grandfather. The logo is actually a picture I took off the wall in um, in uh, my uncle's home and gave it to an artist, you know, ten years ago, and said, "Hey, can you make this into uh, something?" And it's turned to into a lot more than something over the last, um, especially the last five years since we opened up uh, Max and Louis uh, here. So in wait, Santa 10 years ago, you asked for the logo. So I, I actually had another restaurant for um, about three years and it was originally going to be called Max and Louis. And that's a longer than this podcast uh, story. <laughs> but we, um, we, we found a, a location. It, um, it it was magnificent and bad at the same time. It was yes. um, the building was great. So I changed the concept. We changed the name. It actually became Drew's American Grill. Um, I became kind of um, another restaurant, you know, like everybody, you know, sort of, you know, the grill, the steaks and the this and the that's and um, wasn't really unique enough. I worked very, very hard. We were built a nice reputation, but I just, you know, we just could not, um, make it, make it work properly. So we, um, we, uh, it was a difficult, uh, three years. And, um, then from there I went into the, uh, oil field, uh, fracking catering business. My family was a, really? my father was a caterer my whole life. So that's why I grew up in the catering business. If you okay. need me to cater a party for you for, you know, 300 people in two days, I'll figure, you know, that I'll, I'll make happen, you know, pretty easily. Sure. The restaurant business was a little bit of more of a, of a new challenge for can, me. Can so. you explain the difference? Cause I, I talk about it frequently, the difference between catering a restaurant business and then the most difficult business, which I believe is vending. So can you, can you give our listeners an idea of I think an easy, the economics? Uh, an easy description is, you know, predictability and unpredictability. I mean, catering, you know, it's obviously you have to be successful and have people booking parties. But once you're um, booking parties, once the parties are booked, you know, you know, you know how many people, you know, how many pieces of meat and how many um, uh, glasses and all the things that you need and how many sta- how much staff you need in the catering business. I mean, I I staff up on a you know, we send out our hot schedules schedule on, uh, you know, you know, for next week not knowing how many people are going to show up uh, for the restaurant you know, for business. The restaurant. Yeah, correct. In the restaurant business. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's unpredictable until you kind of become, you know, we're in our going into our fifth year now. So it's becoming more and more predictable. It's not totally, predi- you know, obviously weather and, and, and all kinds of, you know, holidays and all kinds of things can affect your predictability in the, after a bunch of years in the restaurant business. But, um, you know, there's some great aspects to catering and we do a lot of catering. Um, you know, now it's, we, you know, obviously last year we didn't do a lot of anything other than work hard and survive, but catering is a, is a big part of our business. We have a private room in our restaurant. So we're caterers in a, in a restaurant where, as opposed to, I was strictly a caterer my, you know, growing up. And, um, when I closed the first restaurant, 
It, we um, pivoted right away to catering on fracking sites in the oil fields in South Texas. And I was feeding wow. 200. I bought a trailer. And How I many fracking trailer. sites are in South Texas? Um, more than you can count. I mean, how many are operating right now? I mean, uh, not that many because, okay. you know, uh, but it's starting is someone actually approached me the other day about the idea that they were going to possibly be ready to start doing some catering again, which is another interesting um, uh, revenue stream that I'm hoping that will happen. But sure, we were um, we were feeding um, uh, about 200 men a day, seven days a week. Wow. For, for two years. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I have a trailer with a, and I still have the trailer um, with a full kitchen in it that. I mean, any restaurant that gets 200 customers a day through their doors is, is a happy restaurant. Yeah. So, and that was totally predictable. You know, correct. I knew how many people they, they, they signed on for. I made a menu, you know, in most cases, two weeks in advance. So I knew what I wanted to serve. Um, they would tell me sometimes they wanted to adjust for that someone coming down to look at the site. So they wanted something fancier. So we were doing as simple as, um, as meatloaf to, uh, grilling steaks and baked potatoes and, and, uh, and we did salads and fresh bread. And I mean, it was, and this is in the middle of a, a ranch with, uh, with hogs and, and, and tarantulas. How, and <laughs> how far was the delivery? A, anywhere from an hour to two and a half hours in each direction. Wow. So, so we would park the trailer on the site for um, typically two weeks at a time because that's how long they would be doing, you know, what they would do on a particular site. And uh, we would be hooked up to a generator. Mm -hmm. And then I would milk truck back and forth the staff and the food um, every day. And my wife and I would go, um, probably two days out of the week, just the two of us. And a lot of times we would stay over and I would do enough so I could do two, two days without having to go back and forth. But my guys, yeah. I was shipping back and forth every day with the food. It was, it was, wow. it was, uh, incredibly interesting and, <laughs> and profitable, you know, for the time that it, uh, that it went on. That's interesting. That's very, um, so when did you make the switch? You went from catering to Drew's Grill? Yeah, well, right? well, yeah, no, well, my father was in the catering business. I left when I had my kids, you know, uh, who are 27. I have twins that are 27 now. Um, when I had my kids, I decided to get out of the, the business altogether. And I went into the insurance and investment business for 17 years on Park Avenue, right near where your your background, you know, yeah. literally right in your background. That's where I worked. There you go. Uh, and uh, and then uh, my the hospitality family, business was calling you. It was call, you know it's something that I've always this this particular thing that I do now is uh, it was in the database my entire life and uh, this concept this concept. And I just, uh, this concept, you know, relative. So this concept, so the New York diner, not in New York though, but the New York diner somewhere else. Well, it like, originally, the idea was originally to do it in New York, but I mean, I, my father and I were con contemplating doing this in the late eighties and the rent was a hundred thousand a month. <laughs> Seriously? In the late eighties. <laughs> you know, it's what? a lot of sandwiches to sell to, you know. To, That's a lot of sandwiches to sell. Yeah. So um, my, I had a uncle that I was very close with who was a surgeon in San Antonio for over 50 years. And he literally called me up and one day and said, why don't you move here and we'll open up that deli that you always wanted to, um, to do. And it sort of evolved into, well, that one that didn't work. And then we um, pivoted after the oil field thing dried up. I got another- well, Going from a deli to a diner is a huge leap. What was that? Going from a deli to a diner is a huge. Well, it's, you know, and when I, when I went with the, so it's sort of that New York Jewish delicatessen flavor, you know? Yep. Um, so when the, the Jewish people in San Antonio, they still call it the deli. Oh, really? Um, it has a lot of deli, you know, uh, I mean, pastrami and corned beef and, um, and, you know, we bake a thousand loaves of challah bread for a thousand loaves. What's that? A thousand loaves. 
Yeah, a thousand loaves a week just in challah bread. We bake all our own bread now other than our sliced white and, you know, and wheat bread. But we bake our rye and our our brioche buns and our hoagie rolls. And, and for, those, for those that are listening that aren't in the restaurant business to to have your in-house bakery. I mean, that is a serious operation. Yeah. When, when, so when we opened up uh, four and a half years ago, Max and Louis, it was, uh, it was about their 4,500 square feet. I didn't take the space next door. That was originally part of the original Mexican restaurant that this place was. And it was a total disaster. The, you know, the whole facility was, a was, you had to have vision to take this space over, but it's in the parking lot of a 14 plex movie theater that, was at the same time I took the space was in uh, would do was doing a twelve million dollar renovation, wow. and making it into this um, the most it's it's a spectacular movie theater uh, literally in my parking lot. So wow. um, we uh, but it was only half the size. I only had a hundred seats when I opened, mm-hmm. um, and within a very very short period of time, we had hour and a half, two hour waits, and you know. Wow! What are the hours of operation? Uh, 7 a.m. to roughly 10 p.m. seven days oh. a week. <laughs> Sounds like the hours that we started with. I, you, not, 20, <laughs> not 24, not 24, seven, just like, no, 24, like seven. It might as well seven, be from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. It might as well be 24, seven. That's a lot so, of operating hours. When we close, though, my main, I have a full time maintenance um, a guy that's been with me for years and years and years, uh, almost to 10 years since the other restaurant and um he, he comes in when we close and he works all night and cleans the restaurant and uh, PMs all my equipment and maintain. He's a mechanic. He, you know, I haven't called a service, someone for service in, in years. Wow. Um, he services everything. That's uh, amazing. So that's another how did you, little, how did you find a lesson. What's that? How did you find him? I actually inherited him when I took over the building at the uh, first restaurant. He had been working there at the previous restaurant and we just kind of clicked right away. Um, And he's just been, he's he's part of the family, you know. uh, Every, every, Every restaurant needs the village technician. For sure. Yeah, and most don't most don't have it. I mean, it's a very unique thing, and it's uh, you know, it's a, it's an an expensive thought. The thought of it is expensive. The actual reality of it is is it's it's. I'll almost use the you know the term. It's priceless because it's. Yeah. Uh, I. Uh, you know, I, again, it's to have somebody available all the time to fix something. And we don't, our things don't break down as much because he's prevent he's doing all the preventative maintenance sure. all the time. So, and then he cleans the restaurant every night, uh, well, five and a half nights. So, um, and then I have some other else that comes and just cleans the other day. So we're, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting operation that we run and um, it's, uh, but it's every day is a challenge. So I, I'd love for you to share with the listeners what what from my presentation on ghost kitchens was compelling to you. Well, I have a uh, I'm, a, I'm a, a grandiose thinker, I guess, is the word. <laughs> and um, Any, anybody listening to this podcast is grandiose thinkers. Exactly. We're, we're we have a kinship. <laughs> the, I, I, absolutely. That was the first thing I just, you know, you, if you intrigued me and I felt that kinship just over the, over the, the media, but the, uh, you know, we, uh, so I've, you know, the concept, this concept was almost an instant success from the day we opened. Uh, when did you, when did you know it was a success? Do you remember? Well, I did my business plan before we opened and I'll say my partner or partners were, I did it at, um, you know, uh, at 40,000 a week. I don't know if we want to say numbers. Sure. You know, oh, yeah, absolutely. Numbers, whatever we took, it is. I mean, but, we, we share you know, everything, I, I did everything the, we can. I did the, uh, my, you know, my thing based on doing $40,000 a week. Your break even point was 40,000 a week. Yeah, yeah. You know, or even to make a few bucks, we, you know, it was $40,000. Okay, perfect. You know, and all that. And um, they, they thought I was out of my mind, you know. That there's uh, no way you're going to do that That's volume. totally too much. You'll never do it. Um, just as a side note, my previous restaurant, our best days that we ever had, and there were probably five or six in the three years, we broke 50. 
um, the best in this other place. And the rent was 30,000 a month in the other one. 30,000 a month. Yeah, that's what, again, it was oh just, a, you know, I, we made some some big novice mistakes. We'll just- Wow. But uh, we opened up a, We opened up this wow. restaurant doing doing those numbers. Yeah. So, I mean, so it was kind of almost an instant, instant, instant success. I mean, it was an instant challenge uh, sure. because it was successful. I mean, you know, the, I had, you know, um, staff that were, didn't care and were disruptive and, and mean. And, uh, you know, we had turnover, like it was crazy. How many employees are we talking about when you first started? When I first started, probably, 40, 50, maybe mm-hmm. um, when um, March of last year, uh, I guess the 13th at 15th, I forgot the exact date. We had 85 employees wow. when we, for, uh, for those of you that are listening, understanding how many for a single unit restaurant to have over 40 employees is significant volume to have 85 employees. Like you're crushing it. You're absolutely crushing it. So we unfortunately last, you know, we furloughed 75 of those 85. Wow. Um, when that was one of the saddest days of my wife and I's life. I mean, we yep. literally were crying. We, um, offered help to every, you know, and this is before we knew what, what help meant and, and what we were going to have available. And if we were going to be able to do business and all that, you know, I, I got out, uh, tents that I, you know, those pop-up 10 by tens or that I had used, you know, for tailgates with my kids at, you, you know, university of Texas and yep. pop those up in the, in the parking lot and, um, uh, and just, started doing takeout uh, Mm -hmm. from from the parking lot of the restaurant and had 10 people, you know, about five in the back and five in the front. And, and it was, it was kind of crazy, but, you know, just getting back to the original thing. So we were, we started out, you know, with, uh, you know, four and a half years ago with half the size place, half the size crew, um, not knowing, I mean, I, you know, I made all the, re- I did all the recipes, uh, you know, but, you know, I'm trying to teach, you know, dysfunctional s- staff members at the time who thought they were chefs that were barely, you know, cooks, mm-hmm. um, how to, how to make Jewish food and how to make, you know, Italian food and, and, and this whole, you know, eight page crazy menu that we, you know, eight developed. pages. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. I mean, it's, it's yeah, nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. And I, and it's funny because like six weeks ago, and again, uh, this, this, there's a lot of messages in this in this podcast, I guess. But the you know, about eight weeks ago, I introduced, I reintroduced our menu. So when I when we closed down, and then we were when we were reopening the dining room, I took that eight pages and made it into two. So Beautiful. I cut out a lot of stuff. I took right. like the top the top of the P mix the most important things and made it into a two page, not just because of to make it easier for the kitchen, but I wanted something that people could go on and, and just see really quick because it sure. was, you know, that I can print on a two page piece of yeah. throwaway paper. Yes. Right. And, um, and then about eight weeks ago, I, uh, I, I was working on it for about three, four months and I reintroduced our full menu on on steroids, you know, I added an entire Italian section. I added an entire, you know, including pizzas and calzones and strombolis and lasagna. I mean, an entire Italian section. Uh, we started off doing two with two items at a time. See how you know, saw how it worked. It didn't work. We tweaked it. We got rid of it. You know, all those things. Um, I added, you know, wings and all this stuff to our appetizers. You know, just a lot of took the staff's ideas that they've been telling me and and but you know, it's hard to make a big change, but this was the opportunity to make the big change. And I also raised prices uh cuz things were getting a little weird with paper goods. I mean, our paper good costs went from a 1.5% to 4 or 5%, you know, yep. which is right. I mean, you know, uh, nitrile gloves before the, you know, before COVID were $40 a case for a thousand. At one point I was paying $200 a case. Yeah. I'm getting a great deal right now at one thirty a case. Right. I mean, <laughs> um, it's crazy. You know? yeah. So all these, ex- all these costs. And um, this is before the last five, six weeks where meat and 
poultry and chicken. I mean, all, I mean, all that stuff is all skyrocketed and, and availabilities are bad. So I actually put out this new menu. I went back two weeks ago, took it, you know, redid it again, you know, took out, I took off things. I went through the P-Mix every day. I did my yep. P-Mix, so what's selling, what's not selling, and then pulled off things that weren't. I pulled the wings right off. They weren't selling like I'm not a wing place. It wasn't like I had to have them. Yep. Um, and wings are up, you know, 200% or whatever yep. it was. So um, I'll let the the wing wing guys have the wings and For figure sure. out how to make livings. And so we're, and I raised a few prices again, actually, even eight weeks later. Um, and, you know, the, I have a friend who has a family that has four giant, you know, 500 seat restaurants, Mexican restaurants here in San Antonio. It's a, it's a, it's a household name in San Antonio. And for some reason they, they asked me my, you know, my opinions, they've been in business for 40 years, you know, and I'm, you know, and they're very, they were so scared to raise prices. It's, it's a terrifying thing for restaurant it's operators. It's a terrifying thing, yeah. you know? I mean, my, you mom, think, you think, mom yeah. wouldn't let us do it. Mom would never want us to do this or whatever it is. And I, you know, I said to them, I said, you have to raise your prices. Everyone around you is going to. And I, I said, I guarantee you probably, you, you're not going to lose any customers. Correct. You know, and, and what's going to happen is in six months or eight months when hopefully things are back to whatever normal is, well, now you'll be in better shape because you'll your prices will be higher and your costs will be less and people will be thrilled that you're still here and yep. providing them with a great thing. And 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 you're allowed to, we're allowed to make livings, you know. I mean yes. like, you know, it's not a nonprofit that we're running. Exactly. Yeah. Can you so, tell can you tell me a, a little bit about your your own personal journey as, as being a restaurant owner? Uh, I know one of the things that I like to talk about is is reaching out and asking for help. I mean, it's as a restaurant owner and entrepreneur, small business owner, we, we like to think that we can find the answer ourselves always, but so much, so much of the time is when I've gone outside of my restaurant and sometimes it's not even another restaurant owner that I'm asking for help or advice from, but it's a, a different, somebody else that's a business owner, somebody else that's an entrepreneur. I mean, I've recently hired um, in the last two years, a media coach, um, David Meltzer, who's been on the podcast, who I repurpose my coaching calls, um, but it's investing in my own personal development, my own personal growth so that I can grow. Um, how, how have you how have you approached that? Well, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, uh, first in, first out almost, you know, with the with your yep. with your refrigerator. You know, I mean, I, I give as much as I ask for, you know, I mean, I'm a pretty and I don't give I don't do anything expecting anything in return. Now, if you're dealing with the right people and you're consistently a, a good giver, you, you know, you typically, you know, will get, you know, get something, you know, when you need it, you know. So I have some very strategic friends in um, San Antonio that I've, you know, met since the first day or, you know, or in the, in the last, you know, year. Um, so I'm, it's, I mean, the journey's been, been crazy. I mean, it's, uh, it's been crazy for the, you know, I came to San Antonio 10 years and, uh, you know, I've, went into a business I really didn't know much about. I mean, I grew up in the catering business, not in the restaurant business. And we took over a 10,000 square foot, you know, crazy, you know, um, $30,000 rent. I mean, 30,000 rent that was beautiful, but, but set up poorly. So, you know, the, the steps of service were just, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't cut your staff, you know, enough to make a living because the this was over there and that was over there. And, you know, it just you couldn't do it. So it was, you know, and so the, the lessons that were learned. But I, I was, you know, I met people that, you know, I'll say saved my you know business life and um, uh, throughout that time. And then when they're, you know, you know, struggling or needed some help or just, you know, Hey, who's your, who's your exterminator? Who's your plumber? Who's your electrician? All those things. If you have a couple of strategic alliances or friendships with, um, with some great people, then they'll call, they call you They you know, uh, you know, again, these people that own these four giant restaurants, I mean, they call me as much as I call them and, you know, how would they need my help? I mean, I'm a one unit, you know, been in business for five years. You know, what do I know? 
but I guess I, you know, I'm, uh, I, I know enough that they feel comfortable uh, when they need For something sure. that we share each other, you know, we share it and I'm an open book. I mean, I don't, um, the, what's the point of, of hiding and, and trying to, you know, keep things to yourself. I mean, that, that's not my thing, you know, so sometimes maybe even to a fault, yeah. but I give, a, you know, but, you know, you ask me a question, you're going to get an answer in most cases. Can you tell me a little bit more about that philosophy? Cause we, I mean, obviously we wouldn't be putting on a podcast or sharing our business plan or, you know, producing media content and telling everybody what our plan is for opening up ghost kitchens and building a master smokehouse. If we lived, cause I, I don't want to live in scarcity. I don't want to live in a world where I'm competing against the barbecue guy down the street. We've always believed a rising tide lifts all ships, which is why we promote the guy down the street because we know that his barbecue has, it's nothing close to our barbecue. Yes. It's in the same category, but Coop, West Texas barbecue is completely different than the barbecue you're going to get sure. from us. It's completely different from Derek Marceau's barbecue down at Valley Farm Market because it's it's unique. So that I mean, that's my that's always been my philosophy. And now on this podcast, I get to talk to other tech CEOs that they run an open sourced, you know, philosophy, you know, Jordan Bosch, the, the founder of seven chefs is, is telling me literally that's the culture that they have. And by doing that, they're actually making a better product, not just for themselves, but they're learning from other CEOs. Where did, where did you start? Where did you learn, learn your philosophy? Well, again, I've been, I'm, I'm 56 years old, you know, you're young, you're young, you're young. Yeah. I told you, I told you that on our first calls, you're, you, you try to tell me you're old, but Ray Kroc started at 53. So I don't want to hear that. 56 is old. Ray only had had two restaurants by 56. I was only saying that because I, uh, I'm 56 and got started, you know, later in this, but I have 56 years of being in business and developing relationships and, um, uh, just asking questions and all that. So philosophies, I mean, my, my uncle's, you know, unfortunately my uncle who was my partner in Max and Louis, Max was his, his father, Louis was my grandfather. The, um, his, his favorite, philosophy or term was, I mean, don't, don't, you know, don't invent it, you know, copy it and, and, and adjust it, you know, or something like that. You well, know, that's, a, mean, that's so, essentially what everyone does anyways. I mean, nobody's right, right. So, I mean, even um, all everything, especially in the restaurant business and hospitality, yeah. business. but now, especially with digital. So I, you know, you asked me, I mean, earlier and I get sidetracked, but you know, the whole, so I felt, you know, Max and Louis, I had this, this idea that it can work in every city. Right. And it and I think it and every is a big word, but, you know, in in many, many, you know, many, many cities will say similar to, you know, San Antonio. Every time, every day someone comes in from St. Louis or from Cleveland or from Austin or whatever it is. And they say, oh, when are you opening? When are you opening? When are you opening? And, you know, and my head gets spinning and okay, we got to open up stores and do all that. And then, you know, COVID hits and, you know, and then, you know things change, your thought patterns change, this whole, I mean, who the, you know, the virtual ghost cloud, whatever you want to call a kitchen thing. I mean, it was, it was being done, but not really, you know, is no one really knew about it, you know, like, like it is, you know, now. And so I'm listening to you on, uh, on a restaurant owner that day, and you're, you know, talking about all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what, I mean, I have Max and Louis concept and I have about six or seven other concepts um, that I could launch literally tomorrow, you yeah. know, and now I'm like, Hey, maybe I can do Max and Louis in all those places that I talked about without, without having a, a million and a half, $2 million build and Correct. 60, 70 employees and all the risk and all those things that go along with it. Um, you know, when we, when you and I talked and I, you know, typically don't joke about business that much. I mean, you know, um, <laughs> We have to joke a little bit. No, no, no. I mean, again, I was, you know, there's a lot of jokes. Yeah. But, you know, when I said to you, you know, maybe I'll come to San Diego and you have Cali on one side and Max and Louis on the other and we have yep. a shared space in the middle where people can take their stuff and go and sit, you know, a nice common, cool, you know, um, a- area, the, pat- the, the, you know, the, what do you call it, the communal patio. Yeah. Um, where it's, it's digital, everybody, you know, all the delivery services are taking the stuff, but if people want to come to the door and pick it up and sit and eat, Correct. what's wrong with that? And what does that cost? A lot less, no matter what it costs, it's a lot less. It's a lot less. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, that's what's exciting for me is the more that I have these conversations and I meet other people that are doing incredible things in other markets, it's, you know, we're all sharing these ideas on all these different platforms, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on their website, like there's access to information that we've never had before, where if I hear, like, I've just been leaning into clubhouse. It's, it's an app. If you're not on clubhouse, please, if you're listening to this podcast, please, get on clubhouse please if you need an invite sean p walchef i will get you an invite we'll figure out a way to get you in but we're going to start hosting our weekly digital hospitality leadership call so stover my producer toby who we brought in to to help us with digital strategy for the podcast kyle who does our website aaron who runs our the media side of our production we have a weekly zoom call but now i'm going to host it on clubhouse and i'm going to host it as open sourced literally anybody that listens to this podcast, like it's an interactive way for us to have a conversation every week that, Hey, you heard an idea about ghost kitchens or, you know, you had drew on and he was talking about, you know, all these different markets and how he grew from, you know, half of half of a restaurant to a full restaurant and what he would have done differently. It's, it's this interactive space where all of us can share these ideas, you know, restaurantowner.com, the, the webinar, you and I, this is the world that we live in and it's a matter of what are we going to do with it? You know, how are we going to use that information to actually make an impact for our business or actually do something that is inspirational for our community, for our village. And, you know, we joke about it, but I don't think it's a joke at all. I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you and we wouldn't be, you know, where we are now if, if there wasn't a possibility of it, but we don't know what that's going to be, you know, and just by having the conversation, you and I can start to talk about technology. I talk all the time about toast. It's our point of sale technology. We switched from Aloha to toast. We made a toast unboxing video. It's one of the key pieces of pillar content that I talk about when I talk to any other business owner about why making social media content about your business partners make sense because yes, it's not for the customer. Obviously I don't have any customers coming into my restaurant to buy toast point of sale equipment, but the amount of people and the amount of engagement that we got as a business from other restaurant owners who are literally making that same decision makes it worthwhile because that's a way for us to give back to the industry. It's a, it's a way for us to be a part of the conversation. My supplier, which um, I use Benny Keith almost exclusively, they're, they're, they're not in California. They're a, a giant, like, like Cisco, like, you know, U.S. Foods. They're a giant company, but they're kind of mid-country, you know. Mid, mid country, yep. you know? Um, and I wouldn't be in business without them uh, yep. during COVID. They, you know, saved my life, literally. Um, I've done videos uh, for them, with them. I did some fun kind of things, you know, with, um, what do you call it, boomerang? I did some, is that boomerangs? boomerangs. Yep, yep. Boomerangs getting in and out of their trucks and stuff. Yes. I mean, all kinds of, you know, all kinds of things. Just, and they don't, I'm one, you know, I'm, I'm one customer. I'm a good customer because I do a lot of business and I pay my bills better than most. Yes. But I'm one, I'm one, a one unit. I mean, they, you know, they can, you know, their Sonic is, you know, they, they sell every Sonic, sure. you know, I mean, it's a, um, but they'd rather, you know, they're, they're happy to take care of me. Cause I'm, cause I'm good. You know, we're good to each other, you know, and, um, and what you're doing, this is, you know, a Cali B, you know, a, Cal, a Sean Cali BBQ plug or whatever it is. I mean, what you're doing, what's the downside? Right. There's no downside to what you're, you know, it's it's all upside. You know, I mean, is someone going to steal steal an idea that you have? I mean, is someone going to steal? The fact that would be that great. I, I use a brioche bun and leaf lettuce sure. versus. Uh, right. You know, <laughs> I mean, come on. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm a I, yeah. You know, so it's it's to me this again, I'm, I'm excited that you invited me on. I'm learning. I mean, I don't even know what uh, clubhouse is. I'm going to go as soon as I get off. Oh, you're on clubhouse. I'm, I'm, I'm recruiting. I'm recruiting anybody that's listening to this podcast onto clubhouse because that way it's not just a one-way conversation between me and the guest. Literally I can bring you on stage on the rooms that we moderate and we can learn more about you and your business. And if you have a question about, you know, smartphone storytelling, which is literally what we do, 
whatever the question is, whether it's about LinkedIn, whether it's about Twitter, whether it's about Instagram, whether it's about ghost kitchens, whether it, no matter what that is, like we can create a conversation around that topic. And the cool thing about Clubhouse is that you put in your profile who you are. So it forces you to improve your profile, which helps you improve your LinkedIn profile. But then you also have your Instagram profile and your Twitter profile, which makes sure that you have both of those up to date. So now you're getting more Instagram followers, you're getting more Twitter followers, but more importantly, you're building a community of like-minded people. You just don't know who I mean, I'm excited is going to be listening to the podcast. I'm excited to experience it. I'm I'm a little lame on the on a lot of the social things. I'm trying to get better and better at it. Um, the one thing which you've seen my videos, I don't know why I do them, but it's um, it's it's fun. And a matter of fact, today my latest video. Um, you know, dropped on YouTube. It's amazing. Uh, so you, know, you have and, to, you have uh, to go and see the work that uh, it, Max and Louis TV on YouTube. Um, but I, I have to, I have to applaud you because I like I've, I'm lucky and I'm fortunate to have the opportunity to speak to so many small business owners, mid-sized business owners, tech companies, but restaurants specifically, and talk to them about social media marketing. And so many people are unwilling to do what you do. They're unwilling to let, to get out of the ego, to let, you know, to the fear of the camera. And I understand that fear. I understand why restaurant owners, why anybody has a fear of talking to the camera. It's the same reason I had a fear of talking on local radio when I first got an opportunity to go and talk on local radios. I was, I was scared that I was going to say something that sounded stupid, well, you especially for me. Face for, you have a voice. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I appreciate that. But, but even going on local news for the first times we went on local news, I was terrified. I was terrified that somebody, the anchor was going to come, the NBC anchor, the Fox five anchor, they were going to come out to the back lot. We we're going to be cooking barbecue. And they're going to ask me a question, a technical question about the craft of barbecue, real barbecue. And I wasn't going to know the answer. And ultimately I of course got over my own fear because nobody was going to tell the Cali barbecue media story better than I was. Sure. And that's the thing that I love about your videos is that you've un you understand that it it's just it's just a camera. You're already doing that work when you're in your diner. When you're in your diner, you're you. Literally now you're just producing media content to help sell the story of the work that you're doing. When did you get the inspiration to, to produce your first video? Well, actually, Gary, you know, we, you and I've talked about it. I mean, I, sure. um, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, uh, Love him. Yep. you know, probably, you know, 15 years ago, I was actually in his, in his office where he did his show. Amazing. It was, you know, it was probably episode, you know, 150 and wine and, library TV, wine library TV. There and I kind of always wanted to, to um, do something like that. I spent $2,000 and bought all this equipment and it sat in my office because I couldn't <laughs> figure out how to actually make it happen. So about, you know, a year or so ago, I, um, I have a, she's a friend now, but she's a, my publicist, you know, Julia, and she brought in the, you know, the videographer. We discuss in advance. We usually film three to four. We've kind of narrowed it down to three because four is too much. We usually film three episodes in a in a day. They go off once a month, the, you know, the second Thursday of every month. Yep. And uh, we, you know, write the scripts and rehearse them. And uh, and I bring in guests sometimes. And, um, you know, I've always done since the beginning, for some reason, I I've always been on the, the local news channels. Do you remember the first time you went on local news? Oh yeah. You know, Shelly Miles on, um, on San Antonio living, it was called, you know, and uh, were you nervous? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've always been okay with, in, with this type of thing. Of course, once you're about to go on and you have that pre jitters of what are they going to ask you and you're going to have the answers or are you going to screw, you know, cause I always cooked, I always cooked on the shows. So sure. you're, you're answering questions. So you're yeah. thinking about that. You're trying to make the food look good, you know, but, but they would always have me back because I, um, I always overdid it. You know, the, the, the displays, I mean, I brought on ice carvings and all this stuff. I always, you know, I wanted it to be a, a spectacle and, you know, I so see you spend $200 instead of nothing or whatever it is. And you make it into something great. I remember I did this once and I, I actually had, a big 
Drew's, it was called Drew's American. I did a big Drew's ice carving done with lights in the back of it and all this stuff for, for a four minute segment, <laughs> you know, I, and I, I want, I want to listen on after me. The guy who came on after me was from one of the big wing companies. Yes. And he literally had five plastic bowls of different flavored wings. And, you know, I get off. It's like saying that's a tough act to follow. I get off and it's like this whole thing. And then he's like, yeah, these are barbecue and these are um, spicy and these are, you know, you know, uh, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So it's, you know, so they asked me back over and over and over again. And that's how I got started. And then I wanted to do this video thing, but it's a, it was more of a production than I really thought. And then with Julia and whatever it is, we did the first few and then it, uh, we got, you know, getting better and better at it. And, um, I, I think, I think they're really cool. And, and I just, I need your help to figure out how to get more subscribers. Cause I mean, sure. I have like hardly any subscribers. I don't do a good job of promoting it. Um, so I got to do a better job with that. Well, the, the number one thing, I mean, it's a Gary Vee thing is you, you need to produce more, you know, and you need to make it easier on yourself because we call that pillar content. So I use Rising Tides Creative. We've had Aaron on the show. He does phenomenal work. You have Brandon's our cameraman and they bring lights. And, you know, we do, we just did a video yesterday, a collaboration with Sam, the cooking guy who has 3 million YouTube subscribers. He's become a close friend. He's been on the podcast more than any other guest. He has, you know, four different restaurants, but so I use him for that episode, which is kind of a behind the scenes episode of working with a YouTube influencer. But ultimately every single day I'm using my smartphone to produce more content for the internet, which is, which was Gary, you know, and there's, you know, this before it was the, I forgot what it was in called. It was like a little video camera thing that we, yep. used. but now, but now everyone has, a, you have, you have the media machine in your pocket. We all have it in our pocket and we just need to develop the, the habit of knowing like I can literally just make a 30 second video right now in the middle of the diner to talk about whatever the new special or whatever that is. And you just post it's, it. It's interesting. Cause I, you know, I was, I was visiting my son and my daughter-in-law in Memphis and I got home late last night and the, and on the plane, I was making notes of, I have like a to-do list. that's like six pages and I keep <laughs> it, whatever it is. And I, this, <clears throat> the thing that I want to want to do, you know, I've been wanting to put together a, a newsletter, yeah. like a newspaper kind of newsletter. But that's, again, a production and, and yep. who does paper anymore. So then I'm like, you know what? Why don't I do a video newsletter once a week yes. at least? Yes. So I do the video newsletter three times a month. And then once a month, I drop the big video. Yes. And Correct. now all of a sudden it's a weekly thing that people, and every time I do the weekly, it's in, it's Correct. getting people ready for the monthly. So that's 1000% correct. So that's kind of where I want to go. I just have to, it's, it's removing the friction. I mean, there, I, I listened to Tim Ferriss. who's one of my favorite, obviously four hour work week and tools of Titans. So many things, yeah. one of the best podcasts there is, but um, actually Toby, our, um, our, one of our digital strategists that we just brought on um, from Mountain Roads Creative, he turned me on to an episode that Tim Ferriss did with Greg McEwen. Mm-hmm. And Greg McEwen is an author, um, and he just came out with a book called Effortless. And I, I'm just fascinated by this question of what would this look like if it were effortless? So we all, especially when we come to media and content creation, we all have an idea of what that newspaper is going to look like or what that magazine is going to look like or what that YouTube video needs to look like. And it all comes with all the barriers for entry that we think about when we think about how do I produce a radio show? Well, if I'm producing a radio show, that's hard. But if I'm producing a podcast, I can download the Anchor app and produce a podcast. Like if I start to think and I remove all of those barriers of making it effortless, how do I make it effortless? I make it effortless with this smartphone in my pocket. Right. Like I make it effortless by doing the four P's that we talk about plan, produce, publish, promote. Those are the four P's. And then you just repeat that, but you use the content that's here. That's in real life. We're already doing hospitality in real life. So how do we transfer that to the smartphone and then get our message out on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on clubhouse, on LinkedIn. You know, it's like 
all of those strategies come, but you got to start somewhere, you know, otherwise, if you don't start somewhere, then you have six pages of like, I want to do this. I desire to do this. I want to see what I love. I hope the listener list. I hope whoever's listening to this podcast, I hope you heard what Drew said, because it is literally one of the pillar pieces of truth that helped us get so much press, so many radio appearances, so many local news appearances. It's helping us get coverage nationally. Now it's treat your media opportunity, no matter how small it is, treat it as a spectacle. Literally, he treated it as a spectacle. The amount of investment that he made compared to everybody else, national brands. It's literally when we went to the radio studio and we went to the number one rated Rock 105.3 morning show and we would bring food for them. They say, bring food for six people. We never brought food for six people. We brought food for 50 people. We brought food for 100 people. We fed every, because it's Clear Channel and iHeartRadio. Guess what? They have 10 different morning shows, country music, hip hop music, rock and roll, talk radio. We brought food for all of them. And guess who they wanted to bring back? It was us. When we went to the news station, we were feeding the camera crew. We were feeding security. We were feeding the guys in lights. We were feeding the anchors. We were feeding the afternoon crew, the people that were coming off. We made a huge spectacle. We were tailgating in the lot, like as if it was our Super Bowl. We made every news appearance our Super Bowl. And then comparatively to everybody else, who do you think made a better impression? Obviously. We, we, a couple of years ago, there was, you know, there was the, um, the lunar eclipse or I don't know, there was some, there was some eclipse going on. Uh-huh. Um, so I make black and white, you know, the classic deli, New York, black and white cookies, you know, Seinfeld, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> so, so I made them, I made them with where I did it. It was like all chocolate and then a little, a little side, you know, uh, moon, you know, crescent of white. So it looked like the eclipse and I made a whole bunch of them and I delivered them to the news station that I did most of them, that, that was, that, that gave me the most play I gave them. And that, that night on the uh, thing, she was holding up, she was holding up next to the actual eclipse. Plugging your business. Max and Louis eclipse. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Plugging your business. Yeah. Just little stupid things turn into big things. Well, it, it's not stupid things because it's thoughtful things right. like those thoughtful things. The reason why we care about hospitality is we care about humans. We care about making a memorable moment and you can make a memorable moment and you can have a thoughtful moment. But the point of what we do with digital hospitality in this podcast, anybody listening is like, we want you to capture that moment. It's never been easier to capture moments with your iPhone or your Android, literally life is happening in front of us, our business life. And we need to get out of our own way and get out of, remove the ego and stop going, I'm worried about what am I going to look like? Or what am I going to sound like? Or what's somebody going to think of me if I post, you know, something about my business and my personal Facebook feed? Well, guess what? If they're following you and they're allegedly your quote unquote friend on Facebook, they don't care what you sound like. They're happy to see you. They're they better be happy to see you. And if they aren't unhappy, if they're unhappy to see you, then they should unfollow you and they should fuck off. And they're not your friend. If they have a problem, if any one of my friends on Facebook has a problem with me posting content about Cali barbecue, fuck them. Exactly. <laughs> like right. Fuck them. That feeds my family. That helps my family fly to Bulgaria. You know, so like we need to get over that and just be who you are. Like be who you are, but you need to develop the habit. It's a daily habit of understanding you are your own media machine. So how like did, you're your how own did you get machine. out of your, how did you get out of your, I don't know how much time we have left, but how many, how did you get out of your comfort zone? I mean, you're, you know, cause it, cause it is, I mean, you have to, you have to break the ice, you know, it's, it's not, and it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's easy, but it's, but it's hard. You know I mean? Once you do it, you'll say, Holy crap, I can't believe I waited so long to do this, but you got to just do it somehow. And how did you do it? Uh, I appreciate the question. I, I had to do it out of necessity we would have failed as a restaurant. We would have failed. I had to do anything and everything to give anyone to give a shit about our restaurant in a tough part of San Diego. So, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, not being able to pay payroll, not being able to pay us foods, not being able to pay our suppliers, understanding like how much time and money we had spent and our hopes and dreams to put into this business. And no one gave a shit. How'd you know you were the right person? that I was the right person to tell yeah, the story. I mean, were you, you know, what, you know, did you, I mean, it was, it could have been your, you know, your partner, your brother, your, I mean, I don't know. I mean, is, or was there just nobody else and you had to do it? 
I mean, that it, it's a great question because that's what I think about now when I tell other friends that I have, very successful friends that are attorneys that are in insurance business, and I tell them the same stuff that everyone, that everyone hears on this podcast every single week. It's in those businesses, they need to start telling stories. Like if you own an insurance company and you're sending a stock email with, you know, fake people and some stock bullshit article about why I should buy life insurance. That's not compelling to me. I've bought in life insurance through you. You're my insurance agent. I want you to write the fucking article. You tell me, you tell me a real story. You put your face in there. You tell me a real story about somebody that's, you know, unfortunately lost their husband or they lost their wife and how the impact that that made on their family because they had life insurance. Like this shit is like, the answer is always so easy. It's, it's us. It's, it's you, it's me. I had, I had to understand it was me. Like I, yes, yes. I want, I want everyone to be telling our story. Right. But if I'm not willing to tell our story, if I don't improve on telling our story, how the fuck is anyone else going to know what, who we are, what we do? Yeah. I tell everybody to read uh, Danny Meyer's book, you know, setting, yes. the tape, you know, and, and I, and I, and the majority of the people that I, I either give, I always have a stack of them and I always give them away. And, and, uh, and, and the majority of the people I give it to aren't in our business. Yeah. They're in, you know, what's the difference if you're selling what, whatever you're selling, you still need to provide a level of hospitality that yes. is people's expectations. Right. I mean, you want people, you know, the, the, your, your, I'm, your life insurance salesman, you know, there's a million, you know, they already just go online and just buy, you know, buy a, you know, a policy online and not deal with anybody. Sure. But when you when you're, when your spouse dies, who's coming, you know, is, is the, um, is the internet that you bought it from going to come and hold your hand and put, and get you through that, you know? So all this hospitality that, you know, the exceeding, making people feel good, you know, um, that's, that's what it's all about. I live, I live and breathe that every single day, all this tech, you know, tech stuff. I like it and I, and I'm doing more and more, but I'm still not at your, you know, where you, where you are, but I'm, but I'm, I, I'm dying to be. So I'm trying and, you know, to do it. Well, I'll tell you one of the things that Adam Harris, who's been on this podcast, he's the CEO and founder of Cloudbeds. It's a, like one of the fastest growing technology companies in the hotel space. Uh, he's basically building the toast for hotels. Um, and I mean, he's got employees in a hundred and I don't know, 20 different countries. And I mean, it's absolutely amazing that I grew up with this guy and this is what he's doing. But before, before he started Cloudbeds, he owned a, um, a company called Calicles and they did websites and they did websites for the San Diego Restaurant Association. So all the big restaurant groups used them. I was using somebody else before. And I went to him and I asked him, you know, I'm having trouble with the website. I've got, you know, somebody that's running our website. I have to email him to make any updates because we want to put on a fight night and we're, I need to promote the fight night. And I want him to put, you know, the event here. And I, this is the text I want. This is the photo I want. And I'd send it and it would take two days and then he would update it. And then it would go live on the site and I'd look at it. I was like, well, no, that's not the right information. So I email him back. So it's, I'm losing all this search. Yeah. I'm losing all this search engine optimization time for people that can find discovery, go, Hey, where am I going to watch the fight in San Diego? I need that to happen. So what Adam told me, and it's something that I take to all social media platforms, all technology is all these technologies it's building. It's so fast. It's insane how fast these companies have been built and they're all such still young companies. But what he told me was, if if the technology is not good enough, if the software is not good enough for you to understand it, the user, the end user, if you can't figure it out yourself and it's not naturally intuitive to do what you want it to do or whatever it's meant to do, it won't last. So get over your fear of WordPress about updating your own website. I'm going to show you real quickly how to do a hyperlink and how to publish a page. And by doing that, he removed my own fear where it's like, well, I can get on Clubhouse. I don't know anything about Clubhouse, but I can download the app. Okay, I download the app. Here's a profile photo. Guess what? I've got a profile photo. Speaking of that, anybody listen to this podcast, get a headshot. The 
amount of people that it's the easiest photo to get, but a professional headshot that you're going to use, that's going to stand out on clubhouse. That will stand out on Instagram. That'll stand out on LinkedIn, get a professional headshot that looks who you are, who your brand is and updated across all of those platforms. But back to your question was if it's either easy or it's not, and it's the same thing with the software that we bring into our restaurants. I have software companies that pitch me all the time and they go, oh, let me show you what our software can do, what pain point it can solve. Let, let's get on a two hour call so we can show you. I'm like, I don't have time for two hours. I don't have time. My general manager doesn't have time. My front of the house managers don't have time. It's either we can use it or we can't. Like you fix that, you fix that. And then you come back to me and give me my login credentials and I'll tell you how good your software is. It's crazy. Right. Now with my first, with my first, with that first restaurant, I spent twenty thousand dollars on one of these, you know, all-encompassing, um, you know, restaurant management software packages. And eight months in, we still weren't using it, and I scrapped the whole. <laughs> there you go. So it was so over the top, unusable, and the the, the support was so bad. And again, this was 10 years ago. The things are very different now than 10 sure. years ago. You know, so you know, you learn, you know, everything's a is a is a is a lesson. Absolutely. And you, what you do with the lesson is the is the biggest key, right? Yeah. So so Drew, uh, where's the best place people can follow you? What's the best digital playground if they want to interact with you? I mean, um, obvious face, you know, I probably have the most the most play on on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, Max Louis, you know, diner. Yeah, we'll I put links in the show notes for I, anybody. I do have listening. an Instagram. I'm not, I'm working on being. I, I screwed so I'm going to give you a quick tip. I have like three of them, and I don't know how to get rid of two of them. So I can I give you a quick tip for your main Instagram page? Yeah. For content. So you have incredibly delicious food. I mean, the food jumps out of the photos, all the photos online. But this is an Instagram hack that you you can use the user generated content because you already have influencers coming to your space that are taking incredible photos of the pancakes, of all the different food items. If you go to your tagged photos in Instagram, or if you go to your location. So if you go to your location, you know, underwards, you can click on it and that's your location. It'll show you all the photos that have been taken at your location. And the tagged photos will be anybody that's tagged you in the photos. But you're gonna see all these incredible pictures of food of your food, your menu items, and you can download the repost app. So the repost app for free and f- f- pick one of those photos, repost the photo, give photo credit to whoever the influencer is, but then now you're already, you, you know, the photo shoot's already been done. So repost is an app? Repost is an app. Yeah, there's there's so many different repost apps, but um, any one of them will do whatever the top rated one is um, and it should be free and it'll allow you to repost user generated content. And that'll allow you to you know, start being on Instagram more with great photos. Not only are you getting great photos, but then you're giving a shout out to the Instagram influencer right? because you've got a significant following on Instagram as well. So now they're getting a shout out. So people are knowing who they are, they appreciate it. And then guess what? They might come back and start taking more photos for you. We actually, the uh, Yelp, which I used to hate, Um, You're not the only one. Yeah, I've actually, I mean, I don't, you know, we get a lot of great reviews and there's always a clunker, you know, because either we messed up or or the guests just- We're we're a human business. We're not going to make everybody happy. Right. So, but we get uh, an immense amount of great reviews and pictures and all those things. And we use a game changer for us was, you know, we, I I signed up years ago with, um, it was an app called No Wait. Sure. Oh yeah, we were one of the first. We were the, one of the first restaurants in San Diego to sign up for yeah, No Wait. I was probably one of the first in, in, yeah, in phenomenal. In and then Yelp bought it. Right? Brilliant. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. So, it was. It was probably the most. It was the smartest decision that Yelp made was acquiring No Wait. That was insane. Yeah, so I was They're like, incredible. Sit and mad and whatever it is, and then of course I, you know, I wasn't going to start over from scratch. So now I've embraced it, and I promote the daylights out yes. of it, you know, everywhere. So, so, we, you know, we get a lot of traction on Yelp, you know, Instagram, I need to do a better job. Facebook, I do, you know, um, we get a lot of, I guess, a lot of traction. I don't do any, uh, I don't do any snapping, which I probably should. I mean, um, 
my family keep, you know, and friends keep telling me I should be doing some TikTok recipes or something. Yep. And, you know, there's just an endless kind of an endless supply of things that sure. you can do. You got to just get out of the comfort zone and start uh, scheduling the time to do them. And it's, you need five minutes in each, you know, in each category a day. I mean, if you can't find it, then you're, you know, there's something wrong. So I got to do a better job of that. Absolutely. Well, uh, I do want to give a social shout out um, on Instagram to Pickles and Bones Barbecue. Um, they've been listening to the podcast. Josh House, he reached out. Um, one of his cooks, who also is going to be helping with some of their media and marketing, he came out and visited San Diego, visited a buddy, but he sent me a direct message, said he's been listening to the podcast and um, was wondering if, you know, if I'm around, if I could show, you know, talk to, um, to Tom and, you know, give him a, a tour of the restaurant. And I got to meet with him just the other day. So Tom, if you're listening and Josh, uh, Josh is going to be coming on the podcast. I, I love their story of what they've done um, in Milford, Ohio, but uh, don't be afraid to reach out. You know, this, this podcast is for you. I can't do it without you. Um, shout out to Stover and to Ian um, Stover, the producer, Ian, who, who writes the articles, um, Toby, who helps us promote the podcast. Um, you know, this, this digital hospitality, it's not about me. This is so much bigger than me. And that's why we want to move the conversation to Clubhouse. We're going to have a weekly call on Clubhouse every Friday at 2 p.m., Pacific time um, that might get a little bit adjusted when I'm in Bulgaria, but I will uh, put put links in there and you guys know it's pretty easy to get a hold of me. Instagram's probably the easiest. Sean P. Walchef, um, send me a message. Let us know um, what you think of uh, Drew's episode. Um, hopefully you got some incredible information. Um, I also recently just launched my media coaching program. So if you're interested in that, please reach out to me. That's Sean at calibbq.media. I can tell you more about that. Um, but as always, stay curious, get involved, and uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. We will catch you guys next week. 